Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Tiger Football Podcast. After a long hiatus, we are back. College football is back. We are days away from Memphis Ole Miss to open the year. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer, and Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer, uh, but just a big football fan in general. Love football. Um, <laughs> it's been a uh, it's been a long time since we talked to you. It's been a long time since the Tigers have played a game. Um, they've been through a month of uh, training camp here. Evan's been there every day. Um, just to take you through, we're going to go through. This, this is the season preview edition of the podcast. Um, we're going to go through what this team's strengths will be, what our concerns are, um, some of the most important people on this team, whether it's coaches or players, uh, the toughest games on the schedule, and we'll give our uh, predictions for the season. But just to start off, Evan, you've been at I don't know how many practices at this point. What, how, what are your impressions of this team generally now that we're in game week and we've gone through training camp? Well, I think this team is obviously anxious to get on the field. I think after the first two scrimmages, I got the sense that we didn't really get to see what this team looks like because Mike obviously held his guy, his big starters out, wanted to evaluate younger players. So I think we really want to – I want to see what this team looks like. So I think they're ready to get some people. They're ready to face Ole Miss. I think um, Mike is kind of ready to kind of get this week over with because he's been very much focused on making sure everything goes smoothly. Um, we've seen some extra – personnel out there to make sure there's no Ole Miss spies, if you will. Um, but I think as far as the team goes, they look better, they look bigger, they look stronger, but it's hard for me to really evaluate when they're you know, playing each other. I want to see what they look like against Ole Miss. Who are some guys who maybe weren't high up on the depth chart last year, whether they're freshmen or whether they're guys who have come on, who fans should expect, maybe, not necessarily starters, but could be starters, but just guys who you think – are going to emerge in big roles this year who maybe didn't have big roles last year. The one guy that stands out is Travion Samuel. Um, first week of first week of, first day of practice, we look around and we're like, who's this guy just catching these passes looking really shifty? It's Travion Samuel, transferred from Troy, um, played at Louisville's first three years. He really looks like somebody who can come in on day one and just make an impact because he's played football. So I think you're going to see him impact as a running back, receiver, kind of in that same hybrid Tony Pollard role that Kenneth Gainwell's in. Um, but he's somebody people should look out for. Um, defensively, Obviously, Chris Clavers was somebody we were really, really high on, but Quindell Johnson at safety, uh, the redshirt freshman who was the scout team defensive player of the year, he's really come on strong. As has Sanchez Blake, and I think they will be somebody who they will be somebodies who can, you know, be new faces in the safe in the secondary that can maybe bring some athleticism, bring some playmaking abilities to a position that was really a weakness last year, as we all saw. All right, well, let's get started on the kind of a, our season preview package here, if you will. We're going to go around the room here. Um, and we're going to start with this, and we'll start with Evan, since he's most familiar with this team. What is going to be the biggest strength of this football team this year? People might be surprised at this, but 
I'm going to say the defensive front because we know we know that's that been a weakness. In it, past it has years. been a weakness, and guys have been getting hurt the last couple of years there. But if this group stays healthy, I think they're better because they're experienced. I mean, the front four is Bryce Huff, Jonathan Wilson, O'Brien Goodson, Joseph Dorsey has all played a lot of minutes last year, a lot of reps. Um, it's so deep that I feel like the most impressive pass rusher who could emerge ever, Cunningham, is going to be on the second team because there's just no room because guys are experienced, guys are ready. So you have those four up front. You got Austin Hall back. You got Tim Hart. Austin Hall in a new position, playing really playing. I talked to him on media day. Really a position he's probably more comfortable in playing outside linebacker rather than. He was kind of in that hybrid role yeah. where he was having to cover receivers in space quite a bit. Um, and he had his moments doing that, now, especially two years ago. He was really good. But I think this seems like more of his natural position, what I, he's doing now. I think so. And obviously somebody who's been a leader in that, in that role, obviously might be someone who may be a captain. I think he fits that role a lot better. So you have him, Tim Hart, J.J. Russell, all those guys are experienced. And the depth behind them is really strong, too. Like, I think the 2D today when it comes out, we're recording this on Monday, it's going to be really interesting who is backing him up because I think there's a lot of depth to where if guys get hurt or guys need to be shifted around, there are guys who can come in right away with experience. So I like that front seven a lot. My one concern with the defensive line, I was at, when I was at practice last week and watching them, they're still pretty small. That's, that's been an issue for this defensive line for a while. Like, even Jonathan Wilson, who's probably the biggest guy on that line, is undersized. And maybe, you know, it probably will be fine in AAC play. But just in general, like Joseph Dorsius, not a big guy. O'Brien Goodson, not a big guy. Not anymore because he's lost some weight. Yeah, well, he wasn't big. <laughs> Even last year when he was 300 pounds, he's like 5'8". You know, he's just – there's a reason, you know, if they were – Six two, three hundred pounds. They'd probably be at SEC schools just based on how recruiting goes. We're not jumping ahead, are we? We got concerns coming up in a minute. You're not spoiling anything. No, I'm not. Okay, okay. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying no. Concern, but no, but like I mean, no, no. Right now, I mean, like O'Brien Goodson has been very effective the last two years. I think Jonathan Wilson. I mean, he's like almost a four year starter at this point. Um, even though he, you know, he's a little Bryce Huff, who's. Probably he's probably not, I wouldn't say he's big. He's not small. Had a fantastic year last year. I just it's just something to bring up. And the reason I think they like Everett Cunningham, uh, Cade Mashburn, where else right? does were the, uh, they're Cade. bigger. Like the, yeah. the, the 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 new guys they've got coming in, the freshmen are bigger, are just naturally bigger than some of the guys were starting. Yeah. And the I mean, frankly, the best defensive lines have seven guys. You know, like you can't just have four defensive linemen. You need seven, eight. You need to be able to rotate right. them in. And defensive line coach Tim Edwards told me that he feels like this year they have that, which is something they really didn't last year. Because you remember Tulane, they got gashed. The Birmingham Bowl, they were just playing bodies out there. So I think they do have depth up front. But like you said, the question is how effective will it be coming Saturday? Yeah. Jason, what are your what do you think the biggest strength of this team will be? Well, in the spirit of knowing what your strength is going to be, and now knowing what Evans, we, we, we I haven't told you anything. I could switch it up on the fly. <laughs> you could, I guess, and and throw me way off. But I, I like the secondary led by T.J. Carter. I mean, arguably T.J. Carter T.J. Carter is the best player, at least on defense on the team. Should we? Is that too far to? He's one of the best for sure. I think Bryce. I Huff, thought Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff probably. Is. I think TJ Carter had a fantastic freshman year. He was good last year, but wasn't quite as good as his freshman year. And you want to see him get back to that level he was as a freshman. 
Um, and you, I, I think this is the year where he does become like a true lockdown cornerback. Right. right. I, I think. Yeah. yeah. And that's why that's why I'm going with the secondary. I think they're going to be. Uh, they should be much improved. I mean, they hmm. they they had quite a bit of quite a few struggles. I mean, it's no secret they struggled quite a bit last year. They just gave up a lot of it lightly. I mean, their problem was the 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 key, the interesting thing about this defense will be, and we'll get to him later. But this new defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller, and from talking to some of the guys, it sounds like while it's not to say the defense is simple, it's simpler for the players. It's been simplified, right? Sorry about that. That was uh, Adam Fuller calling me and saying, oh, wow. "It's not. I don't have a simple defense." What are you talking about? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> that, that is for who would chime in like that. He's very straightforward. He would be like, "Wait a minute, we got this here." Yeah. No, yeah. it's been simplified, like you're saying. Yes. Been, the defense has been simplified. I, I think. I think the 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 problems in that secondary in years past have been communicate. It's not necessarily talent. Right. It's been communication breakdowns coverage breakdowns and that it, it's more mental than physical has the issues back there that's why you have guys there's a lot of times there's been guys just streaking wide open yeah um and to your point if you can have tj carter shutting down half the field you don't have to worry if you if you can just say tj carter you're in man coverage we're not gonna we we can shade everything else elsewhere coverage wise that makes life a whole lot easier. Yeah, and a TJ Carter who's now got two years under his belt. He made some mistakes last year, and he's you, you feel like he's going to learn from those mistakes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, while I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be the greatest strength of the entire team, uh, I do think it is going to be a strength this year compared to last year. All right, well, my strength of this team, and it's shocking considering they lost Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard to the draft, it's the skill position players. I, I think... Can't argue with that. I mean, you've got... Even though you lost two NFL running backs, you've got a, another NFL running back in the backfield in Patrick Taylor. You've got a wide receiver in DeMonte Coxey, who I think is going to play in the NFL. You've got this added luxury of Travion Samuel, a guy who's produced in the ACC previously. You've got Kenneth Gainwell, a guy who broke off big play after big play in the four games he played in last year and did has done it every time I watch this team in practice or scrimmage, whatever. guy breaks off a big play. You've got a tight end in Joey Magnifico who looks like he's probably got the chance to be an all-conference tight end. Uh, multifaceted, can block and catch. I mean, you've got a lot of weapons there for this offense. Like, they're not, I don't think they're going to miss a beat in the skill position category. And there's enough weapons where you cannot just focus. If you take away, you can go and focus on DeMonte Coxey, but then you've got enough weapons to make someone pay for doing that. I mean, do you guys know how goofy that sounds to say that this offense is going to lose Tony Pollard and Daryl Henderson and they're not going to miss a beat. That sounds insane, but I think you're right. It's ridiculous because I feel like people forget that Patrick Taylor ran for 1,100 yards last year. And and DeMonte Kosky had a 1,000-yard season. So it's like, yes, you lose two NFL backs, but you got guys who've produced at a high level. And so they could have even bigger years, which is scary that Mike's... Well, I think, I think Taylor I think Taylor's going to get at least 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns this year. That's what, what I, I think. What I think we need to look up and find out is has Memphis ever had two running backs 
2,000 yard running backs in back to back seasons? Probably not because there's only been four in the hit. I mean, D'Angelo Williams, two different backs right, you're talking right. about. Um, I mean, last year was the first time two running backs in the same season did it. I mean, there's only been four 1,000-yard rushers in the history of the school. I mean, because Gainwell, based on everybody, based on everything. We I don't know if he's going to yeah. get 1,000 yards He might not get the touches year. to do it, I don't He's think. not going to get the – especially with Samuel there. He's just a guy who's – I mean, he, he might be a guy who averages eight yards per touch, though. You know, like, I mean, I just don't know if there's enough touches with this many weapons for him to get to 1,000 yards. But maybe who all, knows? I mean, maybe all, not, per, all purpose, maybe, but not in rushing. Well, think about how much garbage time there might be this season. I mean, if they're, if Memphis plays as well as they as we expect them to on offense and defense, there could be a lot of garbage time uh, stuff to, to gobble up there. For Perhaps. Kennedy. We'll see. We'll see. Our next category, Evan, your biggest concern for this team this year. The biggest concern, I will surprise y'all, it's not Brady White for me. It is the O-line, and here's why. Three starters are gone. Dustin Ward is moving over to center, so really you have four new positions on there. Um, we've watched this O-line in practice, and I've been a little bit worried because I feel like, and I don't know if it's because the defense looks better, but I'm worried that this O-line is not getting creating enough holes. Their pass protection has been good but not great. Um, and you're really repla- you're replacing two tackles. You're losing... Um, Drew Kaiser is your center. You're losing Travion Tate, Roger Joseph. Um, how good is Obini Easy? Is he ready to take that role at left tackle? Is Scotty Deal ready to fill in at right tackle? Who's the guy Mike mentioned last week? There's another. There's a new tackle coming on. Brian Thomas, who was a JUCO transfer this year, um, he's been coming on really strong. It sound, it sound, the way Mike talk, Norvell talked about him last week, it sounds like there's a chance he starts in the, this whole Miss game. There's a there, he might he might get that chance because Obina has had his struggles a little bit, and I think if Obina does not impress right away, they won't hesitate to go to Brian Thomas because he has that you know in game experience. But with that said. I do think that's my biggest worry because if this O-line can't protect and open holes, then this offense isn't going to be the great offense we think it is. Like, the, the greatness of the last two years is you've had consistency up front. This, they were specialized. Yeah, this was a great, great group. Can you expect them to get to that level again? I don't know. Dustin Woodard told me that they're more athletic up front, but we'll see. I, I have my questions about this. I think that's I think that's very legitimate concern, and especially Ole Miss is not a great team, but where they have the most experience, they're a young team. Where they have the most experience, though, is up front on the D line. So this will be a test, early test this week for this offensive line. All right, Jason, your biggest concern this year? Okay, yeah. So uh, my biggest concern this this season is going to be, and it's strange to to say it uh, based on everything else I I said for for what I thought would be their strength is going to be defense. Um, I just I feel like until we. It's, it's, I'll believe it when I see it mm-hmm. is, is the theory that I am operating on. I mean, I do, I do think every, everything we've heard and seen up to this point would indicate that uh, Memphis is going to be a much better team defensively, but I'll, I'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I, I, we don't know yet. We don't know for sure. The lights haven't come on yet. And so uh, that's going to be that's going to be where – I feel like they are weakest until they prove me wrong. It's what separated them from being an AAC champion the past Correct. couple of years. Yeah. Like that, the defense is what has kept them ultimately from from winning this league and, right. and getting over the hump of UCF. And and to me, with this offense, if this offense produces 
at or near the levels it did the past two years, you don't need to be a fantastic defense. But, like, you can't be ranked 100th in the country or whatever they've been the past couple of years. You need to be, like, top 60. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Something like that. And if yeah. you can do that, I think that's enough if you're producing at or near the levels offensively you have been the past few years under Mike Norvell. And if you stop giving up the big plays, I mean, going back to the ECF game, I, wa- I was rewatching it the other night. There were a couple of big plays they just gave up that just broke their backs and they were done. So if they can limit the big plays and get stops, because that was the whole thing is like you said, they gave it up so much it was almost like watching. I think I told you during the AC game, they're going to lose this game because they're not going to finish. Something told me they're not going to finish. Sure enough, they didn't. So if they can limit the big plays and be a top sixty defense, like you said, I think this will be a good year. But we'll have to see. And then for me, I, my biggest concern is probably the same as Evans, the O line. But a concern for me is Brady White. Um, I'm not sold that he is going to be like better than last year. Not that he was bad last year, right, right. but I'm not sold he's going to be better than last year. And I <clears throat> get the sense <clears throat> with this O-line, he's going to need to be better for them to reach the levels that they have the past couple years. You saw towards the end of last year, teams started to gang up on the line of scrimmage and dare Brady to beat him deep. And then in the bowl game, they said, not only are we going to dare you to beat us deep, we're going to focus everything on Coxie, and you're going to have to find someone else. And he struggled at times with that. And I just think everyone's going to watch that film from last year, and they're going to say, you know what? We are not going to let Patrick Taylor win this game. And I don't know if this O-line is going to be good enough to block eight guys like the O-line last year was at times pretty good at, even though, you know, so Brady is a concern to me. I have, in the practices I've seen, he does seem, I I would, I guess I would agree with Mike that he's got more zip on the ball. Mm -hmm. He's trying to throw it deep more, but I still think it's a weak point in his game. Um, Does he seem any less... Timid. I mean, can we all agree that he's? I think he's more comfortable in the sense that he's just been in the program longer. He knows more people in the program, like knows the people in the program better. They know him better. Um, he didn't have to deal with, like, quite frankly, I think it was in the moment it was talked about a lot, but I don't think it was talked a lot about throughout the season. In that that whole David Moore thing, I think caused some friction in the locker room in the sense that there was a faction in the locker room that felt David didn't get a fair shake in that QB competition, whether that's accurate or not, that there was a perception of some. And Brady was this new guy coming in who, you know, and, you know, I think he did earn the job, but I think there were some people in that locker room who questioned it. He didn't have to deal with that this year. Even though I know Brady McBride left, but but I don't think there was any question he was the best quarterback on this in this locker room this year. And I think that will help him going into this year, um, just emotionally and as a leader. Um, and so, but he's going to have to prove that he can that he can, you know, that he can do more than complete wide receiver screens and quick slants which is what he kind of feasted on last year a lot of times. And so he, he is a concern for me in that sense. Like I, I just think teams are going to make – there's going to be 
games where he's going to have to win it for Memphis, and he's going to ha- like he needs to prove he can do that. Um, all right, so let's move on. Most important person, Evan. Who's your most important person? You kind of just talked him up right now. I, I think it's Brady. I mean, to be honest with you, like you said, Brady's going to be counted on to win more games this year. I think teams are going to watch Patrick Taylor and key on him. They're going to key on Coxie, and they're going to say, Brady White, go do this. And I think he has to do that. Um, what I've seen from him that I like is that he's running more. Um, last year, as, as you said, Jason, I thought he was timid on running. And by the end of the season, you saw him start to run a little bit more and you know show off that ability, especially in the AC Championship game. But I think that element has to be there just because there were times where he just held on to the ball more and would throw the ball away instead of get like two or three yards. So I think if he can do that and if he can show that he has this mastery of the offense that he said he has, then I think this offense and this team will go far. But he has to play well. And if it and if he gets hurt, they're in trouble. Because yeah. obviously Connor, a- a good point. Connor Adair is behind him. He's only played, I think, in two games. Markevion Quinn is still finding his way after this knee injury. We don't know how great he's going to be. He's looked a little bit rusty. He needs more reps, as um, Mike and OC Kevin Johns have said. So that's why I think he's important. If he gets hurt, this whole team's complexity changes. Interesting. Jason, your most important person on this team. Uh, Got to go with Patrick Taylor. I mean, most important, most valuable. I mean, I think we can all agree that if he's going well, the team's probably going well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he's doing very well, then, then so is the team. And so I think that 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 for me is why uh, that, that that's what makes him the most important person and and um, most important yeah most important person, right? Doesn't yeah, yeah. Be a staff member. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's in for a very big year. What did he run for? Eleven hundred plus. Eleven hundred. Yep. Double digit touchdowns. And he wants to show he's a complete back this year. Like he's been more used as a. I guess, you know, a battering ram, just straight ahead, you know, grind out the yards, especially in the red zone type of running back. But he, I mean, he thinks he could, he, he's a good blocker. He, I think there's a pass-catching element to his game that hasn't been utilized that much. And I think he wants to prove he has break the breakaway speed Daryl Henderson had. That's what I was going to ask. Is he as big of a home run threat? Probably not. I'd say, I'd say not, and that's only because Daryl was such an explosive player. Like, we saw Patrick run for big plays – but he's not the, the speedy guy that Daryl was. But he can do that. So I'd say he's got above average speed, which isn't bad. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly – I mean, he, he's the featured back now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Mike and, has said they want to get him 25 touches a game. Well, uh, yeah, I mean – That's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. It's like it's going to – I think it's going to be slightly different than the past couple of years in that I think Patrick Taylor will get the ball more – than Daryl Henderson did last year, for instance, yeah. because yes, there's Kylan Watkins and Kenneth uh, Gainwell, and, you know Kenneth Gainwell. But I just I, I think I think he came back to be the featured back, and I think Mike is going to do that with him this yeah. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my most important person is a coach, Adam Fuller. We've talked about this defense. Adam Fuller, the new defensive coordinator, comes for over from Marshall, where he had a very good defense last year. Um, and I just think, like I said earlier, I think this defense is what is what has separated this program from getting over the hump from being a really good, you know, a good group of five team to being a championship group of five team. And um, it appears it's a simpler defense. They're going to play more four three, um, and 
you know, I, I'll have a, sto- a column on him later this week. He's a pretty interesting guy in that um, a decade ago he was a Division two head coach and realized he didn't want to, he, he was a little overwhelmed by that. And it, and it has kind of shaped his career ever since then. Um, and so he's a guy Mike is entrusting quite a bit, um, you know, especially on the defensive side. And so if he can get this defense, if they can just be an average defense, it could be a special year. Yeah. And, you know, I asked him, you know, because it's funny, he, came, he, he was the defensive coordinator at Chattanooga, the defensive coordinator at Marshall, um, and at each of those programs, he inherited terrible defenses. And I asked him to compare this situation to those situations. He said, it's not a comparison. This, this situation is a lot better. Um, one, because you've got this established brand on the offensive side of the ball. But two, he said the talent is, is pretty good. Um, like he, he does not foresee this as a reclamation project. He, it's more of a tune-up in mm-hmm. his mind. And so um, it'll be fascinating to see how this defense does. And he, he emphasizes, you know, he doesn't have the takeaway belt or the takeaway robe, but he, he, emphasizes, like, he emphasizes pressuring the quarterback, red zone defense, and third down defense. Those are his three things. Um, and I think you're going to see more attacking of the quarterback and it underscores, like, the importance of the secondary. I think they're going to be in more man coverage um, and they're going to attack the quarterback more. So. Which I think will be great because they have three pass rushers last year in Huff, Jonah Dorcius, and I guess Jonathan Wilson, who were good at that. And now they have Ever Cunningham. Now they have K.O. Yeladelli up front. I think if they got they got the guys to do that. So if they can do that, this could be really special, I think. All right. Last category here. Evan, toughest game on the schedule and your season, your prediction for this team this season. I've been waiting for that prediction question for a while because people have been asking me and I've tried to hold back. We'll get to that in a second. Toughest game for me. I'm going to go with Houston just because it's the rivalry game and it's at Houston. And we all know what happened two years ago. Mark, you were there. Um, they got to Houston and looked flat in that first half. And then second half, one of the greatest moments in Memphis history, we can say. Are you weren't talking about my computer dying in the four, beginning of the fourth <laughs> quarter and me cursing up a storm in the Houston press box, everyone looking at me? And then having then it came back to life with about four and a half minutes to go and so there break were, down on deadline, baby. So there were two miracles that game: yes. your computer and Memphis winning yes. that game. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that game will be interesting for a couple of reasons. One, obviously the rivalry game, um, and Houston obviously wants some get back. But Memphis has not seen De'Aaron King yet, and I think and Dana Holgerson and yeah, new coach. Uh, I think De'Aaron King is my pick for a preseason player of the year in the AAC right now because he is dynamic. He had, I think, 50 touchdowns accounted for last year before he got hurt. Um, can Memphis contain him? They haven't done a good job with mobile quarterbacks. Um, they have to contain him and find a way to slow him down because if they can, they'll probably win their toughest game. And I think that game also is going to be important because it starts a three-game stretch that could define if they win the AAC or not, or AAC West because it's Houston, South Florida, Cincinnati to end the season. Two of them on the road. Yeah. So that Houston game is going to be really important, and not just because it's rivalry, but it sets the tone for can they win this uh, this division again. All right, season prediction. What What is this team going to finish? What's the record? Season prediction, 9-3 and three before the AC Championship. Nine-win season. Any any thoughts on who you think they might lose to? All right. You don't have to go that far if you don't want to. 
I'll say this. I think Temple's a tricky game. I think they may lose that one. I think Houston right now, I say I'll give Houston a slight edge because it is a road game and Derek King's playing. And right now I'm saying Ole Miss only because respecting an SEC team for now, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Iron Mon's toughest game on the schedule. Well, this is going to sort of, sort of, I guess, give give away my uh, long range outlook uh, on the entire season. But I think the, I don't think the toughest game on the schedule is on the schedule yet. And so, if that makes any sense uh, <laughs> at all, I'll take the suspense out of it. It's the AAC championship game. I think that. You think uh, UCF's back in it? Or do you yeah, think whoever, no. regardless of who they are? No, no, I think it's probably going to be UCF. Gotcha. I mean, that's that's my pick to win the the East. And so, uh, so yeah, no, I think it's going to be – that will be the toughest game on the schedule. Um, tougher than Houston, tougher than Ole Miss, tougher than Cincinnati. Um, I, I feel like I feel like Memphis has what it takes to get there, and, and they will get there, and therefore – that will be that's that's going to be the toughest game on the schedule for me. And season prediction, record prediction, I'm going ten and two. Um, I think Ooh. I think they've got obviously they're capable of going. I mean, twelve and zero is is they not could win any the game. They could win any game on the schedule. They could going week yeah, by correct. week. You could see them winning every game on the schedule. Twelve and zero is not out of the question. Realistically, it's it's probably it's unlikely um, just because. Almost every team is going to lose a game they shouldn't. The same way they're going to win a game they probably shouldn't. And so, and so for that reason, I, I've got them going ten and two. Uh, but I do think they they uh, get to the AC championship game. All right, I've got them nine and three. But I've got I've got them making the AC championship game. Evan, you have them. Making I have them making it as well. My thing is, I think at nine and three to make the AC championship game. I think you have to beat Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have them beating Houston, but I, I just think this. I know a lot of you know. It's funny on my radio show we've talked to some national college football writers and and reporters, and and they've talked about how, how the part of the reason they like Memphis so much is the schedule's easy. I actually don't think it's that easy. I mean, Ole Miss to open the year is going to be tricky. I think the Navy game at home is going to be tricky. I think uh, the Tom Bowen special, the Louisiana Monroe road game, that's a 6-6 six and six team that returns a lot of starters. That's going to be tricky. The Temple game on the road is going to be tricky. Tulane at home is not going to be a cakewalk. Um, and then that three-game stretch to end the year at Houston, at USF, Cincinnati. That's, that's eight games where I don't know, maybe you don't, wouldn't call all of them toss-ups, Right. But there, I could see scenarios where they lose those games. Yeah. Yeah. Or not all. You know, they wouldn't lose all eight. Like I think the floor for this team is like seven and five. Like right. if if everything yeah. went terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I've got them nine and three just because I think they're going to get tripped up in some of those games. Um, I, it's hard for me to predict which ones it'll be. I think that Temple game is quietly a really tough game. I think Temple. If they didn't, if they, if Manny Diaz was their head coach, we'd be talking about, or if Jeff Collins had come back as their coach, 
instead of going to Georgia Tech with the number of players they return, we'd be talking about them as a you know a potential champion in the East. I think as long if their coaching situation is okay, they're going to be pretty good, and I think that's going to be a tough game. Um, so yeah, I've got nine and three going back to the AAC title game. I'm convinced though, and maybe Memphis will s- screw this up because they're gonna it, because they beat Cincinnati in the last game. I just have a feeling UCF's run is going to end this year. I don't think they win the conference this year. They will lose a game. They'll they'll lose at least two games this year. But I don't even think I think someone else is going to represent the East in the AAC championship game this year. Cincinnati. I'm putting it on record. But that my the, my only problem with that is I do think Memphis wins that game against Cincinnati, and I just I, I wonder if that will knock Cincinnati out of uh, because they're playing Memphis on the road in the last game of the year. But so nine and three for me and Evan, ten and two for Jason. I think that's uh that'd be a, you know I think to, I mean ultimately to declare this a, a successful year, I think the team needs to get over the hump. And win the AAC championship. Now, if they go nine and three and lose in the AAC title game, would it be a bad season? Heck, no. No, um, no. it'd be a good season. Yeah. But to really, I mean, part of part of the with how success with how successful this program has been over the last five years to continue progressing. There's only one thing they need they left to do, and if they don't do it, I think you're going to feel like. You know, a little bit of stagnation. Yeah, you start to wonder: Can they do it? Yes. Can they ever do it? Right. You know? and, and that that's not something you want to ever have to wonder. Yeah. So, it'll be a fascinating year. Um, oh, let's preview the Ole Miss game real quick before we go. <laughs> Big one at the Why Liberty not? Bowl. Why not? Um, Regional last rival. game for the foreseeable future between these two rivals. Even if Ole Miss doesn't want to call them a rival, they're a rival. The Mid South rivalry. Yes. Um, I think it's going to be fun. I think, I think Memphis wins, but doesn't cover the five and a half point spread. I think this is going to be a really close game, down to the wire. Um, but I think, I don't think Ole, I think there's a chance Ole Miss is a two and ten team when it, when it all when all said and done. Like there's a, if they lose if Ole Miss loses to Memphis and Arkansas to start the year, like there's a good decent chance they go two and ten this year, and so. But I do think for I wrote this if you can check it out commercialplea.com. I still think this is such an important game for Memphis from a perception standpoint because just like a couple years ago, no one remembers that UCLA went six and seven and had their coach got fired. They were so bad. No one's going to remember that Memphis beat a two and ten team at the end of the year. They're going to remember that they opened the year with a big win over Ole Miss and. Uh, I think it would be. It's just it. It's just one of those games. National TV. I, I think for the program's perception nationally, it's an important game. I think so too. And let's be honest. I mean, when Memphis is playing these morning games, I wrote on the commercial appeal about this. I believe they're nine and zero since two thousand fifteen. They they get up for these games really well. I think Joey Magnifico told me that because they practice so early. I think they're just used to that getting up early, getting ready for that atmosphere. They're excited. So I think that. They have a history of doing well in these games. And I think, I know I said they could lose this game, but they could also win because I don't think this Ole Miss team is good. Could all- they tie? <laughs> Thank God we can't. <laughs> if, if this game goes to overtime and we're going back and forth, I'm just going to be like, I might throw my laptop out of the press box and be like, no, no. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind an overtime game. 
It's an early kickoff. Oh yeah. lord, that would that might drain everybody in the stadium. And if Memphis wins, let's it, just hope they have enough water this year. Like UCLA yes. game was a couple years ago. They didn't. They ran out of water on yeah. a hot sun, September. I, I heard the horror story. I've heard them too, and I'm I'm like they better have backup water reserves for that game. Um, but I think it's interesting because oh, this game is funny for me being a, a California guy because you have two quarterbacks from California starting this game: Brady White and Matt Corral for Ole Miss. I didn't cover Brady White closely in high school, but I did cover Matt Corral. Um, I liked him a lot. He's got moxie, fun word. Um, he can throw. He can. He's a dual-threat guy. He's emotional, which I love about him because he plays with passion. But this offense for Ole Miss has to deal with the Memphis defense. And I think if I had to pick a defense to win this game, I'm picking Memphis. Well, the big question mark with Ole Miss is they got two new coordinators. Rich Rod on offense, Mike, Mike, Mike McIntyre on defense. Two big names for coordinators, but it's their first year. You know, what are these, you know, Memphis, for Memphis, it's a tough scout. They don't really know what they're going to get from Ole Miss on either side of the ball. And so I think that is a, a wild card in this one, um, especially in the first half. Like, you know, all they can really go on, for instance, is like Arizona film for Rich Rod and, you know, Colorado and San Jose State. Like, you, don't, you just don't know. And so there's there's an unknown factor there for for Memphis that will be very interesting to see, especially with because let's not forget Memphis is going to be is on its game day operation, if you will, is going to have seven new assistant coaches. Yeah. Like this is going to be their first time, you know, in a game. You, you can practice it all you want in mock games in the preseason. There's nothing like game day. Yeah, and you know, and there's going to be a lot of emotion and and how does this new coaching staff come together um, in what will be a kind of an adverse situation in the sense that they don't know what they're getting from Ole Miss necessarily. So be a fascinating game, be a really fun one at the Liberty Bowl on Saturday. We'll have tons of coverage on commercialappeal.com this week leading into the game on Saturday during the game and in the days afterwards reacting to the game. Um, How does this 2019 season begin for Memphis? We shall see. Until next week, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you at the Liberty Bowl this weekend. At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast. Pop stars with auto-tune. And dentists with asking questions after they've put their hands in your mouth. Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.